Anyway, we're going to pick up exactly where we left off last week. So if you didn't get to listen to that last week, I encourage you to go back and do so. Uh, but for the sake of time, we will not rehash all of last week. We left off last week, and, and we had a couple main points. One of the main points from last week is this. You cannot build the life God has for you on the foundation of her. And so the things that God wants us to have are meant to be built on the foundation of his word. And we understand that his word is, is, is the truth, right? His word is life and his word is based off his love. So hurt doesn't give us the foundation that we need to produce the things of God. In all actuality, hurt actually diminishes what God has for us because it brings us into, it pulls us into the opposite direction. And so we went through that last week. It says, you have to spend time dealing with your hurt in order to be open to receive the future God has for you. Hurt is like a boundary that causes you to be prevented from crossing over into liberty and freedom because it it, it shows up in the form of protection, but ends up ending in destruction. Uh, and that's what hurt does for us. It said we talked last week that hurt does two things to us. It distorts our, I mean, a couple things for us. It distorts our view of reality. And I gave you the example of walking, you know, in PE class or health class. Uh, we had those goggles that were put on to imitate being driving under the influence, right? Uh, once you put those goggles on, your perspective changed. Nothing in the environment changed. The people in the room didn't change. But your ability to navigate changed. Why? Because it was a change in perspective. And so when we allow, when we harbor hurt in our lives, what it does, it distorts our view of reality. People who are sent in your lives to bless you end up being viewed as people that don't have their best interests in mind. We'll talk about it in a moment, but what hurt, harboring hurt does, it causes you to become a cynic. You don't trust anybody, right? And so it distorts how your reality. The second thing that we said hurt does is that it creates bitterness. Uh, it creates bitterness. It causes you to uh, be bitter and, and, and unsettled about things in your life, right? It causes you to have animosity and offense. So that was the second thing that hurt does. And the third thing that we talked about that hurt does is that it prevented progress. Hurt seeks to protect self. Therefore, it takes God's will out the picture. Hurt always won't shows up in the form of protection, but ends up causing destruction. Hurt always shows up as protection, but ends up causing destruction. What's the destruction? It pulls you out of the will of God because I can't hold on to hurt and operate in the love of God at the same time. That's why the father had to, I mean, he sent his son to forgive us of our sins. That's forgiveness of sins was God getting rid of the hurt of us coming up short because we didn't, we missed the mark. And so it, he didn't want that to prevent our progress or prevent his progress for, for him blessing us. So he sent us and we he covered us in the blood of Jesus Christ. So now that when he sees us, he doesn't see us in our imperfect nature. He sees us the same way that he sees Christ. Therefore, it doesn't prevent his progress. It doesn't cause him not to be able to be God in our lives. Why? Because every time he look at us, he looks at a perfect picture because he sent a perfect uh, sacrifice in the form of Jesus. All right. And then we, we talked about church hurt just a little bit. Um, number the one thing I want to say again that I said last week is don't let a desire to be pampered 
to rob you of godly purpose. The pampering of your feelings will always interfere with your future. The pampering of your feelings will always interfere with your future. Think about how many times you disobey God because of convenience. How many times you disobey God because of comfort. How many times you disobey God simply because it didn't feel good or, 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 or it takes too much, right? Hurt, what we got to understand is that our the role of our pastor is not to pamper us. Pastor Edwin's role is not to pamper us. Pastor Shun's role is not to pamper us. The job of our pastor is not to pamper us, but to perfect us. Now, I didn't get to read that this last week, but I will read it this week. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this way. It says, and he gave some apostles and some uh, prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. It doesn't say that the fivefold ministry's purpose is to give you a hug every time you come to church. It doesn't say the fivefold ministry's purpose is to call you out every time you do something well. That's not the purpose of it, but we have so many people that are hurt because somebody didn't do something to pamper their feelings. You're not a baby, right? I mean, grow up woman of God, grow up, man of God, understand that if Pastor Sean or Pastor Edward or Pastor Chris don't speak to you, doesn't mean that they don't love you. I mean, that that's that's just the enemy's way to draw a wedge between you and the people designed to bring wisdom and change in your life. So my, I don't need Pastor Edwin to pamper me, right? I need him to grow me up. I need him to grow me up. And see, when you want to be pampered, pampering is in opposition to growth. Nothing that grows does so without some expansion and without some change and without some pain. Uh, I was watching Aiden's football team last night. They won their division. And, uh, and, and coaches, we we're all talking to them. And we was like, how did we get here? We got here because we practiced hard. We got here because we didn't take it easy on you in practice. We got here because of this. If we would have pampered them, right? If the coaches would have pampered them and like, oh, baby, it's okay. You sweating too much. Go sit down. Oh, baby, it's okay. You had a rough day at school. You don't got to practice hard today. No, champions aren't built because they're pampered. Champions are built because they allow coaches to bring out the best in them. They allow because a football coach is no different than a pastor. The coach sees the potential inside of the player and he begins to teach him, give him the knowledge, the skills, and the strategies needed to be successful in the position that they play. Well, there already is another issue for most believers because you don't want to play the position that the coach puts you in. God says, hey, I've called you at this time to be a greeter, but Lord, I want to sing on the praise team. I've called you at this time to be a, a greeter. But see, when you want to be pampered, you get offended with God. You get offended with Pastor Edwin, when he asks you to volunteer in children's church, when you think you should be up there ministering the gospel on Wednesday nights, because you want to be pampered, right? You want to be pampered, and so that's not the job of the pastor, all right? Let me not get off on that, because that'll take up my time, because I'm passionate about, because we want to grow up. You, you want to be different. You want all those things, right? But you're not willing to listen to the people that have been designed to grow you up. 
any great athlete will tell you that they only became great because they had other people looking at them that saw things that made them Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Jerry Rice. I mean, Deion said, look at all of these great athletes, right? They only got to where they were. They had talent and they had skill, but they had coaches that saw things to make them better. Will you let your pastors make you better? Will you hearken to the word that they give you? Or do you just want to be pampered? Uh, but I'll tell you, now, I feel good saying this. FOC ain't a church you come to to be pampered. We're growing up over here. Because why? We want to exhibit the character of God in every situation. We want to be able to not cuss people out when they offend us. How do you get to that point? You apply the word of God. You imagine yourself being in that situation. You then respond. We don't, we don't love God and cuss a little over here. We don't love God and fornicate a little over here. We don't love God and steal a little over here. We don't love God and then disobey what he asks us to do a little bit because we don't feel like it. That's not what we do. Why? Because we're growing up and becoming. Why? Because the earth is in earnest expectation for the manifestations of the sons of God. I can't manifest if I'm always needing to be babied and drugged along and my feelings taken care of. The Bible isn't about your feelings. It's about your faith. All right, let's keep moving. So here's tonight we want to talk about how you don't ever have to be hurt again. You don't have to be hurt again. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you don't ever have to be hurt again. It's already warming up in here. Y'all send a cool breeze. <laughs> All right. You don't have to be hurt again. And our scripture that we're going to go to tonight for that is Luke 10 and 19. It says it this way. It says, behold, I give unto you power to trade upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means do what? Hurt you. So there is a way for us not to be hurt again. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Not being hurt again. You have the authority over hurt. But go ahead and type that. Say, I have authority over hurt. You have authority over the enemy. You have power over the demonic forces that will try to entrap you. However, you got to exercise that power. You got to, you have been given every tool needed to extinguish the fiery dart of hurt that the enemy sends your way, right? Because I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. Hurt come, hurt is perceived as protection, but brings destruction. And if you're not careful and you do, you're looking at hurt from an earthly standpoint, you're like, yeah, hurt keeps me safe. Hurt protects me. But from a spiritual standpoint, hurt is absolutely destruction to you living out God's best life, your best life. It says when we conquer the power, I mean, see, what we must realize is that real destruction occurs on the inside before it manifests on the outside. The enemy uses our past hurt to offer, Ava, I'm teaching Bible study. You what? Get it and get out of my office. It says, see what we must realize is that the real destruction occurs inside before it manifests on the outside. The enemy uses our past hurt to offer suggestions. These suggestions are designed to pull us back to the hurtful event, therefore keeping us from progressing forward. Right, you know your kids don't care what you're doing. 
Yep. And, and see, that's that's. I mean, we could we could talk about that. Ava has zero concern. All she knows is that she needs to get to her daddy to access something. And that's how God is for us. Let, let's just talk about it. That's how God will take care of us. It don't matter what's going on. All you got to do out, she just kept knocking on that door. Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I need you. And she wasn't going to stop till I responded. And that's how we got to pursue God. And, and, and when we're looking for the freedom that we want, we just got to come back to God. God, I'm not over this. Help me overcome this. Send the people that I need to get past this. Why? Because at the end of the day, we could we got to keep going back to God until we get what we want. That's what faith looks like. She was just going to keep doing what she needed to do till she got what she needed. How many times are you believing God for something, but you don't keep knocking? You don't keep seeking. The Bible says, when you seek not, you'll do what? You're going to ask, seek, and not, you're going to find it. I think it's Matthew 7 and 7. Like that, That's what we got to do. So my little Ava, she didn't care. She didn't care nothing about uh, y'all on this uh, live and me uh, doing Bible study. Why? Because she needed something. But God, I always answer your prayer, just like I took care of Ava. Praise the Lord. It says, when we conquer the power of the enemy, we take control of our mind. So the thing that we got to do is this. Hurt causes us to relinquish control of our mind. When we operate in hurt, when we operate in offense, what happens is it's no longer the spirit man that's in control. It's my flesh that's in control. My soul, that's my soul man. That's my mind, my will, my emotions, my imagination, my intellect. They're always revisiting this issue that caused me to be hurt. And so what we got to do is understand that God hasn't asked us to forgive because we think that forgiving others is a choice. We think that because Pastor Chris said something to me and she hurt my feelings that I can be offended with her. You need to understand that other people's actions never give you the right to disobey God. And what God has instructed for us to do is to forgive others as he has forgiven us. So that means that no matter what anyone else does to me, to my family or to anything, it doesn't give me the right to harbor hurt or unforgiveness towards that person. And I know that's a lot. That's a lot. And I'm like, well, Lord, what if somebody, what if somebody uh, take the life of somebody I love? It doesn't give me the right to harbor offense towards that person. What if they steal all my money? It doesn't get it doesn't excuse the fact that the Lord has instructed us to forgive. What if God, what what if my spouse cheat on me? What if my kids do this? What if my job lay me off? What if my they lie on me? It doesn't give you the right to harbor the hurt and operate in unforgiveness. Why? Because he has instructed us to forgive. He has instructed us to forgive. We don't have the right, right? We must forgive and people let people off the hook quickly. I love that, Pastor Chris. We got to let them off the hook quickly because the more you entertain the hurt, the more you entertain the action, the more you're going to come up with rationale on why you should be able to be angry, right? I mean, I, I remember an instance that uh, April had did something and uh, the Lord told me that what she did wasn't right. And, and, I, and I was upset by it. And he was like, you got a right. You're like, not that you got a right. The, the rationale for you being upset. 
it's, I mean, that I can see that. But he says, I want you to forgive her anyway. I want, I want you to apologize. You want me to do what, Lord? Like, you just told me that what she did, she could have handled it different. You just told me that, that due to that, it could, I could see the feelings, but you want me to forgive her? You want me to be the one that apologizes for her doing the wrong thing? He says, yeah. He said, I did the same for you, right? Because that, that's the hypocritical nature of, of believers. We want to embrace the forgiveness that God has given us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? He knew the dirt. He knew everything that we would do. He knew the things that we are doing. He knows the things that we will do to walk away from him. Yet he looked at all of that and said, you know what? Yep. Cedric's worth it. You know what? Yep, I'm going to forgive Cynthia. Yep, you know what? Yep, Chandra's getting this forgiveness. Why? Forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person, but everything to do with you. Everything to do with you. I don't need Pastor Chris to be remorseful to forgive her. I don't need said to say sorry to forgive her. I don't need anybody's actions. My my. My forgiveness of other people is not predicated by anything they do. A prerequisite to forgiveness is not action. Action on the behalf of the offender is not a prerequisite to forgiveness. I'll say it one more time. Actions of any kind on from the offender is not a prerequisite to you forgiving them. All right. It's not. It's just not. You may not like it, but it's, it's the truth. What did you do to deserve the forgiveness from God? Tell me. I'll wait. What you do to, to deserve forgiveness? What you do to deserve forgiveness? All right. Nothing. You didn't do anything. God chose to forgive you. It was a choice. In the same way God chose to forgive you, we choose to forgive others. All right. So, but before we get to that, that's at the end. Let's talk about a few wrong ways to handle hurt. All right. A few wrong ways we handle hurt. The number one wrong way we handle hurt, not number one as in priority or or, or what occurs the most, but just number one on my document, <laughs> is hurt other people first. Right. I ain't going to get hurt because I'm going to hurt them first. And that's why some of us not in relationships because uh, uh, I ain't going to say us. I'm using pronouns that I shouldn't be using. I got a great marriage. I love my boo. Like, uh, so, I, so I'm good. But some of y'all ain't in a relationship because you strike your, because you have harbor, because you have been harboring hurt that you uh, have not dealt with. Anytime you get in a situation that's similar to the cut that you had occur before, you want to hurt other people. So I'm going to lash out before they hurt me. That's the world's response to dealing with hurt. That's the world's response to dealing with hurt. And here's the thing that you don't realize what's happening. The enemy is setting you up because you are a believer, because seed time and harvest is real, because you're sowing hurt. Now, guess what you're going to end up reaping? 
more hurt. Why? Because whatever you sow, you also reap. So when you don't handle your hurt appropriately, one of the first things you do is hurt other people first because that's a way of protecting your own heart. Why? Because you've stepped out of the will of God because number one, no, at no point in the kingdom of God are we obligated to protect ourselves. Anybody that's a citizen of a kingdom, it's the job of the kingdom to protect them. But anytime I operate outside of the kingdom norms, then I now become responsible for my own protection. Hurt pulls you outside of the kingdom norms. It pulls you outside of kingdom character. It pulls you outside of the character of God. Therefore, I'm obligated to take care of myself. Therefore, I hurt other people before they hurt me because that's how I protect myself. But because I am in the body of Christ and because my words have power and because I'm sowing hurt, then in return, I also reap more hurt. Why? Because Seeds produce after their own kind. So we can't handle hurt by hurting others first. The second thing, we can't handle hurt by hardening our hearts. What does that mean? I refuse to let other people in. So you know what? I, I can't get hurt. I can't get hurt if I harden my heart. I can't get hurt if I limit my friends, right? You know, I can't get hurt if I don't got nobody. So if I just stay by myself, I can't get hurt. If I operate in a vacuum, I can't get hurt. You refuse to let anybody in because you have hardened your heart. You, you can't be in a relationship because you don't, you, I mean, you've been hurt by people so much. Now you don't even want to let people in. And here's the issue with that. The word of God says, yes, words bring hurt, but it's those words from people also that brings healing. So the people designed to bring you healing, you can't let them in because you've hardened your heart towards them towards anybody from because of hurt, now you, you're limiting your friends, you're limiting the people God has told you to do life with that's, called, that's designed to grow you up. But because you are so hurt and you haven't dealt with that hurt, you are pushing the very people away that are designed to grow you up, right? So when I harden my heart, it prevents me from having any meaningful type relationships. And don't get it twisted. You can be in a marriage and then not be meaningful. You can be in a relationship with somebody and not be meaningful. Meaningful, right? When you harden your heart, you become a prisoner of your own pain. Why? Because once you have pushed everybody out, really what you've done is create a fortress where you're the only person in it. You're a prisoner of your own pain. That's why we got to deal with hurt, but we got to deal with it the right way. Number three, the wrong way to handle hurt. Pretend that you're not hurt, right? You walking around. I tried to do that one time. I played football and I broke my ankle. Uh, and see, with some injuries, it's very obvious. When I broke my ankle, it swole up really, really big. Uh, it started turning colors within like an hour or two. Why? Because that broken bone was obvious, right? When, when one time, <laughs> I tell y'all stories about my, the, my angels be, they be working. Sometimes I, they ain't working fast enough. One time I went to light my grill and I guess there was a propane leak and the grill kind of blew up on me and burnt my arm. And you know what happened? It was an injury. 
But that injury was obvious. And because that injury was obvious, I went to the emergency room. They treated me. See, the thing with hurt is this. It's not obvious. It's on the inside. And so because it's on the inside, some people try to pretend that they're not injured. And on the outside, people can't always tell that you injured. When I burned myself, they identified that I was burned because they could see it with their eyes. When I broke my ankle, they can identify that I, my bone was broken because they could see it with their eyes. But see, when people walk around hurt, you can pretend like you're not hurt because it's an interior injury that's on the inside. And so what happens is we got a lot of people who have created, they live in a lifestyle of fraudulent, fraudulent, these little, uh, these little, uh, uh, Invisalign and government, I can't, fraudulent. They're living a fraudulent lifestyle because on the outside, they appear one way, but on the inside, they're bleeding, they're injured, they're broken. They're bruised, but they're trying to pretend like they're not hurt. And what happens is you're you pretending like your feelings aren't hurt is inviting more mistreatment, right? So if I hurt April's feelings, if I do something to hurt her and injure her, uh, even unintentionally, if she doesn't verbalize to me that it hurt her feelings, then I probably or I'm probably I may replicate that over and over and over again because I can't see the hurt from my perspective. And because she hasn't verbalized that she was hurt, then I can't, I don't know that what I'm doing is injuring her. So when you pretend that you're not hurting, a lot of times you're gonna invite more mistreatment because you're just trying to overlook the fact that you really are injured. And what I wanna tell you tonight is this, it's okay if you are injured. But what's not okay is not to seek treatment. All right. That's why we're talking about this. We don't want to get out of love, according to the prophecy. We don't want to get out of love. All right. So this, the other thing that uh, you got the fourth way, all right, that we mishandle hurt is that we refuse to trust anyone. Man, refusal to trust anyone. Hurt causes you to build an environment of mistrust. All right. And this is what I've been telling you all night. Hurt advertises protection, but delivers destruction. Hurt advertises protection, but it delivers destruction. Yeah, it's going to be like, man, we we the best security system out there. We got 4K cameras. We got a moat going all the way around your life. We got 12 foot tall concrete walls. You know, we got all of these things to protect you. It advertises protection, but all it ever delivers is destruction. Why? Because when you build your life on a foundation of hurt, it pulls you out of the will of God. It pulls you into unforgiveness. It causes you to drink a poison intended to hurt somebody else, but it only kills you. And that's what happens. Hurt, when, when you refuse to trust anyone, it creates you. It causes you to become a cynic. What's a cynic, Ralph? It's a person who believes that people are motivated purely by self-interest rather than acting for honorable or unselfish reasons. That's why you can't receive the man and woman of God. You're a cynic. You refuse to trust anybody. Pastor Sean and Pastor Edwin wouldn't be doing all that good teaching. What do they want out of that? See, she over there in Maryland, 
posting pictures and stuff. You everything people do, you try to make it something. It's people just can't do good for you because they want to be good for you. It's always a why behind it. It's a selfish motive behind it. You begin to be a theorist. You just can't believe that somebody want to be good to you without them wanting something back. And it and it, it ruins uh, relationships, right? It ruins relationships. Men men said are great friends. We're bro- forget friend. We're brothers, right? Um, and if he come and give me fifty dollars out of the blue, I ain't like, bro. I'm thinking about April. Said he gave me fifty dollars. What do you think he want? You think he gonna need something later? No. We got a relationship, like. That that's just what that's just what he, people do. They do good things for each other. And if a stranger walks up to me and does something good for me, I thank the stranger. But I I thank God. Why? Because God uses men to bless other people. And so because you are hurt and you haven't dealt with your hurt appropriately, you'll use the very people that God have been designed to bless your life. But because you're a cynic, you will begin to see them as people who want something from you instead of people trying to get something to you. And so you will once again push them away. And here's the thing. If you are a cynic, your refusal to trust anyone expectations often become your reality. So if you expect somebody to always do something, even if they don't do it, your perception will cause it to be viewed in the way that you have been expecting it anyway. And so you end up broken again, all over, a cycle. So at the end of the day, you got to trust God more than you do your hurt. You got to trust God more than you do your hurt. All right. Let's keep on moving. We have 39 minutes. Let me move faster. All right. So let's wrap up tonight with what matters most. Because this is the end of this two-lesson sermon. Let's talk about how do we move from a position of hurt to a position of freedom. There are going to be two ways that we do that. All right. Two steps to move from a position of hurt to a position of freedom. The first one is going to be lift up the shield of faith. All right. And then the second one, y'all don't got to go to it, is going to be forgive now or forgive immediately. Those are going to be the two things that we got to do. We got to utilize a shield of faith and we got to forgive people immediately. All right. Those are going to be the two things that we got to do. Let's talk about lift up the shield of faith. In Ephesians 6 and verse 16, it says this, lift up over all the covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. So what, so, so let's just digest it for for a brief moment. What is the shield of faith? All right. Let's talk about the word faith first. You can visual shield. Most of you guys know what a shield is, right? It's a barrier, right? It, I mean, in the old, I mean, in, when they're talking about this shield of faith, if you look up biblically, it's a huge shield that basically covers the person from head to almost toes, right? It covers all of them. And we know faith is established. Faith begins where the word of Will of God is known. Faith is established on the word of God, right? So when I choose to believe what God has said about my life, what happens is that's how I choose to lift up the the shield of faith. I choose to believe what God has said about me more than I do what the world has said. I choose to believe that I'm the righteousness of God 
even though everybody in my family may still think I'm a crackhead. I choose to believe that I'm the righteousness of God when everybody else thinks that I'm a thief. When you begin to use the word of God for the thing that you identify on who you are, it creates a shield of faith that quenches the fiery darts of hurt by, chosen by people's words. When you choose to lift up the faith uh, that God has for you and you trust God, then when God says, Pastor Chris is in your life to bless you and to help grow you up, then it's not that I'm trusting Pastor Chris, it's trusting that I got God. God, I'm trusting God and the person he has sent to me. Um, and so for me, God has told me that Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean, they're, they're, they're my people, right? And I have faith in that. So when people talk about me, when when they said we was going to Texas and we did ministry in Texas, when they talked about me, you know what? I could be hurt, right? But you know what I did? I put up my shield of faith. I am following the word from God. And God says that they are my spoken voice and I am to go to assist. So I go to assist. But so many times we let other people outside of the people God has told us to do life with cause us to be hurt by things because we don't pick up the shield of faith. We don't pick up the word of God. If God told you FOC is the place that you need to be fed, it doesn't matter where mama and them go to church. It doesn't matter where daddy and them go to church. It doesn't matter if, if, if they said, hey, you need to do this or do that. The shield of faith protects you from that hurt because you know you're doing what God has called you to do and that will always bring you peace. Why? His words shield you. His word protects you. His word guides you. His word rescues you. His word is always the answer. And it is the shield of faith needed for you to overcome the hurt. You don't need anybody else to tell you that FOC is your, pl is your uh, place. If, if that's what God has said, go for it. It doesn't matter. Well, uh, I don't want to offend anybody. See, you let the thought of hurting other people's feelings keep you from enjoying the promises of God. Don't let the don't let thoughts of hurting people's feelings keep you from uh, enjoying the promises of God. Well, I know I heard God told me not to give them that money this time, but I don't want to disappoint them. Don't let. The thought of hurting other people's feelings caused you to disobey God. Don't do it. Just don't do it. I know you got the money. I, I know they only need $10, but God told you don't give them anything. But God, I got $10,000 in savings. $10 is nothing to me. I spent $9 at Starbucks this morning, but God said don't do it. And so what happens is the thought of hurting other people's feelings has now become a barrier to you obeying God. And so you can't let that happen either. And that's the shield of faith. Why? I always go back to what did God say? And then before you, for long, you, you as pastor, I think as Pastor Tony says, as we live out life in the future, we'll understand the past more. 
He doesn't say it that way, but it's it, that's what he said. As we walk out life in the future, we begin to understand the past. You understand that you not giving that person that money, you not putting uh, putting your name down and vouching for that person, you doing not doing whatever God told you not whatever to do for that person. Help grow that person up because so many times, because we don't want to hurt people's feelings, we often disobey God. And in disobeying God, we pamper people and it causes them not to grow up and mature. It was some times when Pastor Edwin uh, and, and Pastor Shun told me some things I didn't like to hear. They weren't concerned about my feelings. If y'all ever played sports, um, I mean, when we out there with Aiden's team, we ain't concerned about how they feel. The other day, we forgot the water bottles. Now, it was a cool day. We made sure they drank. So don't know, no, nobody come for me. Just like, oh, we so thirsty. You'll be okay. We, we got things to do. My leg hurt. Let me look at it. And I turn around, you joking. Your leg ain't hurting that bad. You over there joking and playing and playing with your friends. Get on out here. Let's do this. Why? See, see when, when, when believers want to be pampered, what happens is, it's a sign of immaturity. And, and you just want somebody to pat you on the back for doing what's, what's, what's reasonable and acceptable. That's not their job. So when Pastor John talked hard to me in that office uh, on Thompson, when we had the office in Fedville, I learned to embrace that. Now, I had a brother at the time who always wanted to say something. And I used to elbow him. I said, boy, just be quiet. You're prolonging the tongue lashing that we're receiving. If you just be quiet and say, yes, ma'am, and go do it, we can get out of this faster. But you always got that sibling who wants to say, but this, but that. And your excuses don't matter. And so many times we want to defend our disobedience when all you need to say is yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and apply what the coach is saying. Why? Because a coach has a different perspective than you as a player. When you're out there on that playing field, when Aiden's out there playing his position, he only sees a minute aspect of what's happening. But when I'm on the sideline and the coach is on the sideline, then we're seeing the field of play from a different viewpoint. And so when, when our pastors, they're seeing the five-fold ministry, they're seeing the field of play from a different viewpoint. And what we need to do is take the word that we're given, right? Because here's how I can have confidence in Pastor Edwin. God called me to this ministry. I didn't choose FOC. God called me to FOC. He orchestrated things from, from the time I, 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 I passed the ACT to the colleges that I was looking at to everything. He orchestrated me being in Fayetteville in, 2000, in the uh, fall of 2001 because he wanted me to run into somebody so that I could be invited to FOC. He orchestrated it all. Now, if I believe that God did all of that. Why in the world will I not listen to the pastors that he told me that I'm supposed to sit under? I, I receive the word when they say I'm blessed and highly favored. I receive the word when they say I'm going to make six digits a year. I receive the word when they say I'm going to be a millionaire. But when he, when Pastor Evan called me and say, son, 
you're not doing a good job being a husband. You're, you need to, imp I, I've noticed that you slacked in the area uh, of your work. Your character is off. That word that he gave me about being a millionaire is great, but the word that he brings about correction is even better because the word of correction purifies me. It, it, it sanctifies me. It brings me into holiness and it, it refines who I am so the character of God can can be reflected better in my life. The word of correction, if think of a dirty mirror, right? You got to think of you bought a brand new mirror from Walmart, right? And then you, you, you take some dirt and water, you throw mud all over it, right? And so the, though the mirror has the ability to reflect, it is it is it, not reflecting anything because right now it's a little dirty. It got some smudges on it, right? So as you begin to allow the word of God and the word of correction. Every time you you receive correction, you apply correction. It's like taking a wet paper towel and wiping away some dirt. And before you know it, the character of God is able to fully be illuminated and reflected in your life because you have allowed the wise words of people to grow you up. But see, when you hurt, what you say is this: I'm not letting anybody close to me. Pastor Evan can't give you a word because you, you're a cynic. You don't even trust him. You know, you can't even get, Pastor Evan can't give you a word because you don't let people in your circle. You don't let people in your circle. Because here's the thing that church folks have done. We have mentally assented to a point, right? What does mentally assent mean? Uh, mental ascent looks so much like faith that many people cannot distinguish one from the other. So we post a hole up the shield of faith, but what a lot of people are holding up is a shield of mental ascent. Mental ascent agrees with God, but doesn't believe God. Oh, yes, God, I thank you that I'm saved. I thank you that I'm whole. I thank you that I'm complete. I thank you that my marriage is whole. I thank you, Lord. And the Lord says, hey, you need to apologize to your spouse to be to, so that your marriage will be good. Okay, God. And you never do it. Why? Mental assent agrees with God. You agreed with God, but you didn't act on it. Because when I believe God, I do what he said. See, and see, that's why a lot of you, and I talk about, I don't mind, a lot of you want to be in a position in the ministry. You want to be in a position of authority in the kingdom. You want something more, but God can't trust you to do the thing that he wants you, he asks you to do now. On your job, you want to be a supervisor. You can't supervise your time and come back from lunch on time. You can't even turn the projects in that you are required to do on time. God can't even trust you to utilize the time that you, you're spending on your job adequately. You're, you're there eight hours a day, but uh, but if you look at your uh, iPhone and look at your screen time, 2.5 hours of your day was spent on TikTok, social media, and other things. You're not even honoring the time of the person that you're working for, but you want more, right? Because you mental assent to faith. You said, God, I agree that, that honor is important. And see, here's the thing. We want people to honor our time, but because you haven't honored other people's time, you're reaping the same thing that you've sown. It says, when we have mental assent, we merely accept the word as truth, but we do not allow it to have an impact on us. I listen to Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean, 
but you ain't applying nothing they say, mental assent. I, you can quote every scripture in the Bible, but you ain't doing what it says, mental assent. So you're not holding up the shield of faith. You're holding up mental assent, and mental assent is as good as wet toilet paper. It won't block the fiery darts of the enemy. It won't quench those darts. It won't take care of those things. Why? Because it never was. The only thing designed to sustain is the word of God. All right? So, so mental ascent is just yet another hurdle to overcoming hurt. You attending church, you reading your word, and you confessing your word, but not doing what it says is simply mental ascent. That's all it is. Mental ascent is often accompanied by the same behavior you were doing prior to quoting the scripture. Yeah, Lord, I shouldn't fornicate, but you you just go out and have sex. I, I You know the word. You just ain't doing it. Mental ascent. Mental ascent. All right, let's finish up. I'm on the last page. Joshua 1 and 8 says it this way. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. So I have to meditate on the word of God. I have to do those things. Why? When I meditate on the word of God and I observe to do accordingly, I hold up the shield of faith so that when the enemy comes at me, like, because here's the thing, when you're operating in the will of God, things that are meant to harm you, you don't even notice. You don't even, you don't even know, like it's times where I've been in, I've been at work and, and somebody would say something. And after the meeting, they were like, Marla, did you notice? Such and such, they really targeted you. I said, what you talking about? Why? Because I don't got time for that. Like, like people can say whatever they want to say. What they can't stop is what God has already said that's going to happen in my life. And see, that's because you trust people's word more than God, you believe people's words. You hurt because you trust the word they told you more than you trusted God. That, that's why. But we got to be careful that we don't exercise mental assent, that we exercise faith. It says, when I choose to exalt hurt over the word, I let down my shield and subject, subject myself to the fiery darts of the enemy. When I choose to exalt hurt over the word of God, I let down my shield. So as, if I'm harboring hurt, then I'm unprotected. And what did I tell you? Hurt disguises itself as protection, but brings destruction. Why? Because it takes away the shield of faith. And what happens is, is that I am now subject to the fiery darts of the enemy. So that was number one. The first thing that you got to do is that you got to lift up the shield of faith. I got to trust God's word for my life more than I trust my faith in the heart. I got to trust God's word to be true. If God say Pastor Edwin is my pastor and Pastor Sean is my pastor, then even if they're saying things I don't like, I trust God, right? I trust God. I trust God. Well, Pastor Edwin said we need to do four things. We need to come to church and not miss the service. We need to pray. We need to uh, speak in tongues. 
pray in tongues. We need to take communion more often and read our word daily. I trust God. It don't matter if I like it on Mondays from 8 to 8, uh, Mon 8 p.m. to 8 uh, after prayer on Tuesday. We fast. Why? Because that's what our man of God tells us to do. And this is what I would tell you. I've always said that and I believe it to my, I believe my life is better because I treat them seriously. If they ask us to do something, they're asking is it comes across sometimes as a polite request, but I don't take it as that. It's now my commandment. So my commandment now is that I fast from eight to after prayer on Tuesday. That's a commandment. Why? Because when Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean said it, it became a commandment. Now y'all can come, y'all can say whatever y'all want to say about that's crazy. I ain't honoring no man like that. I ain't doing it. That's okay. Stay where you at though. But what I'm telling you is this, whatever hurt you got, well, your little pastor back in the day didn't treat you right. You That's why I say, stay at FOC. You need to come to FOC because God called you here. Then you don't got to worry about anything else. God, I trust God. And because I trust God, I trust them. And I'm going to trust them until God tell me to stop trusting them. So that means I don't throw my man and woman of God away because they make a mistake. I trust God until God tells me no longer to trust them. I follow them until God tells me no longer to follow them. See, see, that's why so many pastors are hurt. They don't, they don't, they don't, they pastors get hurt too. You got to understand that they are men and women just like everybody else. And so if they make a mistake, I don't throw my man and woman of God away because they make a mistake. If God said that's my man and woman of God, they make a mistake, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to support them. I'm going to be there to help them line up with the word of God just the same way they help me line up with the word of God. And we're going to walk through this together. But we are so quick to throw people away when they don't line up. When God said, you know what? While you was yet a sinner, Ralph, why you was let yet a sinner, Chris? Why you was yet a sinner? Say it. I, I chose to die for you. Why? Because forgiveness is accomplished by setting your will. God set his will to forgive us, which brings us to our last point tonight. Point number two on how do I walk in freedom is forgive now. Not later, forgive now. Not in the future, forgive now. Forgiveness is an act of faith. It is how to... It has to do with you, not the other person. I tell you that. Forgiveness has to do with you, not the other person. I don't, you don't need the following to forgive. Because this is what we say. I need this. I need an apology. Lies. That's the that that's that's a religious construct. That's a myth. It has nothing to do with the spirit. I don't need an apology. Jesus didn't get an apology from us before he forgave us. And I am to forgive as Christ has forgiven us, right? That's what the word says. Signs of remorse. Jesus did not get any sign of remorse from us for, for forgiving us of our sins. And because I forgive as Christ has forgiven, then I don't need signs of remorse. I don't need them to apologize. I don't need them to be remorseful. I don't need to have inspiration of a good feeling. I don't need to feel like forgiving somebody before I forgive them. 
God didn't feel like go, Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. In fact, in the in the garden, he asked, Father, is there any way that this can be accomplished? Right? Is there any other way? And the Lord says, No. He says, Okay, Father, I'll do it. Be unto me according to your will. I got this. Why? It wasn't that he felt good about knowing that he was about to die, that he was about to be crucified and the thorns were going to be put on his head and his, he was going to be pierced and all of these things. That didn't wasn't a good feeling. It was a choice. He chose to do that. Knowing that we would lie, knowing that we would cheat, knowing that we would sin, knowing that he still chose. Why? Because forgiveness is a decision. And you make decisions every day. I decided today before I started, when I got up, I decided to go to the gym. I decided to come home and on my way home, I decided the route I was going to take. I decided what I was going to wear to school. I mean, where to work. I decided what, what, what I was going to eat for lunch. I decided all day long I make decisions. Forgiveness is just a decision. The same way you made a decision to put on your... I put on this Razorback shirt today. I can make a decision to forgive anybody that hurt me. The same way I made a decision, you made a decision on what you're going to cook for dinner today is the same way you make a decision to forgive somebody. Make forgiveness a part of your everyday decision making. Make decision forgiving a part of your everyday decision making. We're in here. Ephesians 4 and 32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. See, I wasn't making that up. I wasn't making that up. Ephesians 4 and 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. He didn't forgive me based on my apology. He didn't forgive me based on my remorse. He didn't forgive me based on something I needed to do. He forgave me because he chose to do so. Why? Because he exercised the love of the Father. And going back to the confession, I mean, the words of this year, don't be in a rush, don't be in fear, and don't get out of what? Love. God forgave us because he loved us. And so I forgive others. So you mean, Pastor Ralph, I got to forgive such and such, even though they did such and such? Yes, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Now, I'm not saying that the natural part of you going to counseling and therapy and all of that stuff, I'm not discounting any of that. I, I mean, you, you do that. Like, it took me a little while to get to the point where I forgave my dad for the things that I felt like he did, right? But but I'm saying as a believer, forgiveness is a choice that we have, that we operate in faith. All right. So I'm going to say this prayer with me. I put it in there, said you can put it up as I say it. But I want y'all to, to say this prayer with me. Now I'm going to say it out loud. Y'all can say it in your head. I take back my power. I refuse to allow others to live rent free in my mind. I refuse to allow past hurts to reside in the recesses of my mind. I refuse to hold on to memories that do not profit me. I choose to let go of all hurt. I choose to let go of the person who hurt me intentionally or unintentionally. I choose to release them. I pick up the words of the Father and I use them as a shield to quench the arrows of hurt 
the enemies have thrown my way. I free myself to heal. Hallelujah. I free myself to be whole. I free myself to love again. And I free myself to be loved again. I free myself from the bondage of hurt and embrace the abundant life God has for me. I rejoice knowing that my prayers are answered because I do not hold grudges, hurt, or unforgiveness towards others. I praise God that the bitterness of hurt no longer holds me captive. I will not allow myself to be distracted by the actions of others and cause me to lose focus of God. I trust God to send the right people to me. I rely on God to know who to keep in my life and who I need to let go. I release cynicism. I declare that I trust God enough to trust those he has instructed me to trust. Hallelujah. I'll say that again. I declare that I trust God enough to trust the people he has instructed me to trust. I declare I hear from him, God, in specific detail concerning people in my life. I refuse to hurt others first because of my own hurt. But because I have released hurt, I am thankful for great relationships because I no longer sabotage my own self. Because I have released hurt, I am thankful for great relationships because I no longer sabotage my own success. Lord, I thank you that I experienced the goodness of your freedom. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that I experienced the goodness of your freedom. And I know that feels good because I've been working through. Because I've been like, okay, God, I don't want to get out of your love. Like, I want to remain in this place. Help me to be there. So just release people. Take back your health by choosing to release hurt because we didn't talk about it. But that internal hurt that you hold on to, it's, it's like drinking poison. Like it's, it's like, you know what? I'm going to drink poison with the expectation I'm going to hurt the person that offended me. That don't even make sense. But that's what happened when we choose to hold on to hurt. So listen to this. God didn't sell us forgiveness. He gave us forgiveness. He didn't require us to change. He didn't require us to apologize. He actually forgave us knowing that we would abandon him. He forgave us after seeing us at our worst. We want to sell forgiveness, but we don't, right? It's on your screen. We do not sell forgiveness. Forgiving is not predicated by an act of others. We don't sell forgiveness. What do you mean sell forgiveness, Ralph? Well, if they do X, then I forgive them. You said that ain't forgiveness. You're Pastor Dollar says you're foresolding something, right? That's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is free. I want y'all to type that as we end tonight. Forgiveness is free. It's free. Forgiveness is free. They don't gotta do nothing for it. But they hurt me so bad, Pastor Ralph. Forgiveness to your offender is free. We don't sell forgiveness. Forgiving is not predicated by an act of others. All right? So remember the two things you got to do. Choose to believe the word of God so that you can hold up the shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. And forgive when? Forgive now. All right. So I hope the word about forgiveness has blessed you. I challenge you, if you know somebody that's suffering from hurt, share the message with them, man. Uh, I send them, you know, I send them my notes. I don't care. It's nine pages of notes. Y'all can have them. 
But what we won't do at FOC is choose to get out of God's love because we kept, we harbor hurt in our lives. We we won't we won't be a bunch of people who need to be pampered and and and, and wear our feelings on our shoulders. We obey God even when it sounds good. We obey God when it don't sound good. We obey God when the word feels good. We obey God when the word doesn't feel good. And sometimes you're going to have to forgive people and it's not going to feel good because you're still angry about what they did, but you got to release them. Why? Because when God in Romans 4 and 32, he was kind and compassionate, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave us. All right. So here's your ways to give tonight. You know, at FOC, we have 100% tithers, right? 100% tithers. We have people who give and so you can give via Giveify, PushPay, Tithely, Text to Give, or if you're an international partner, you can give via Give uh, PayPal. All right. Um, so make sure you take advantage of that. If you're not a partner at FOC, you want to become a partner at FOC, I encourage you to go to FOCchurch.com and go down to the partnership link and complete the partnership application. Uh, we understand that we are not everybody's church home, but we are the church home for people all across this world, thousands of people across the world. And so if you're one of those people who want to walk in love how, and want to know how to live by faith and experience God's prosperity in every area of your life, I challenge you at right now, as soon as we get off this call, I mean, it's Zoom. Zoom. We're not on Zoom. Facebook, where are we at? Go, go to FOCchurch.com and become a partner, all right? If you don't know the Lord is your... Jesus is your Lord and personal Savior, I invite you to come home. Say, Lord, tonight, I want to invite you into my life. I want you to be the Lord over my life. I want you to, to place your Holy Spirit inside of my heart. I receive you, and I understand that by receiving you, I have a right to salvation and eternal life with you. And then get connected to a church. Get connected to a church that's going to teach you the word of God so you may grow and become, right? Because salvation is just the start of it, right? Uh, getting saved is just the start. You need to grow up and become a disciple of the word, all right? Uh, you guys know what we do each week. I'm going to run through them real quick. Y'all ain't got to post them. Y'all know the next time we're going to be together is Thursday. Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. We're going to be there for corporate prayer. Then we're going to come back Sunday with Pastor Chris and Elder Valley for corp I mean, corporate worship, right? And then that's going to be followed up by Pastor Sean and Pastor Edwin for Sunday morning worship. Then Pastor Sean's going to come back on Monday with strategies for success. And then Tuesday night, we're going to be back again for prayer. And then Wednesday, we seven days is already there. We got our team signed up for Ignite boys and girls, and then you're back here at 8 p.m. All right, victory zone people. Hey, I've had some issues with my software. I know I'm behind one week on the videos. So I'm going to try to work on it again uh, and get things. I've been working on it the last couple of days. I had issues. So uh, y'all bear with me, but there's like 50 victory zone lessons that you can go back and listen to. So that, I mean, you can still get your kids plugged in. All right. So, but I apologize for that. I hope to have that worked out and be caught up on that. All right. Uh, I think that's all our announcements. Don't forget to honor Pastor Nitra for Pastor's Appreciation Month. Uh, it's her week. So make sure that you honor her. I'll put the screen back up real quick after I take this down. Uh, before we go home so y'all can see her cash out and, and, and message her. If you don't have money, I mean, bless her with your words. Pray for her. Those are all ways to take take care of Pastor Nature. all right? So I love you guys. Be blessed. Have a great rest of the week uh, and don't operate in hurt.
forgive people tonight. Before you close your eyes tonight, release them. Forgive them so that you can operate in the freedom that God has died for you to operate. Jesus has died for you to operate in. Be blessed. Have a great night.